You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 258th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 856th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of July 21st, 2022. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. This week's Banner Moment occurred during Jordan Geronimo's media availability on Tuesday. Asked about his decision to return to Indiana, Jordan said this, quote, The ultimate factor of me coming back was I have trust in Mike Woodson and I have trust in the program. It's bigger than myself, really. I want the program to be successful. We're fighting for a championship. I want to be a part of that program and seeing other players that came in, everybody that's coming back, and I feel like that's something I can't not be a part of. And so I trust the coach and I trust the staff, the players, and I feel like it's a good decision to come back, unquote. So much of that is meaningful, but I want to zero in on one phrase in particular. It's bigger than myself. For a talented and experienced roster, which Indiana certainly has, perhaps the biggest of all elements that will determine its ultimate success is every guy on the roster buying into his role and buying into the team concept. And for Jordan in particular to say this really matters. Of all the returning players who came back to Indiana, Jordan remains the biggest surprise to me. He could have gone closer to home. He could have gone to a place with a clear path to big minutes. He could have gone somewhere and basked in the intention of being a shiny new off-season acquisition. And yet he stayed. And because he stayed, we have every reason to believe that he's being 100% forthright when he describes his belief in the staff, his belief in the team concept. And another important element left unsaid, the power of his relationships with his teammates on what seems like a really tight-knit team. We know that this Indiana roster has all the pieces it needs to be the cream of a rather mediocre overall Big Ten crop. The two biggest issues that could derail IU season are a persistence of poor shooting and a talented roster imploding via selfishness. Of course, we won't know for sure until the games start, the minutes are doled out, and the clear blue skies of the offseason are met with the tornadic tumult of the season. But for now, all of Indiana's players are saying all of the right things. And if Mike Woodson has indeed cultivated a locker room full of guys who believe their collective purpose is, quote, bigger than myself, then this Indiana roster will be capable of some special things come February and March. Alrighty, now let me introduce my co-host this week. First up, he is a longtime high school basketball coach in the state of Indiana and the founder of the world-renowned Delphi Bracketology Club. You know who I'm talking about. He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember, fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach and it's not so Coach, it is Tonsoni time. What's on your mind? Well, you know, there's just a, a, a lot of time left till we get the season going. Um, so there, there's not a whole lot. I, I do, um, 
it is just interesting to see how the coaching staff is is attacking this recruiting. We'll talk about that a little bit. Um, I do have you know a little more appreciation for Miller Cop. Uh, watching some of his TikToks and and the other day he was having a beet uh, mixture juice that looked absolutely gross. Trying to get ready for practice, uh, he's a quite interesting follow, uh, and, and it and that's the fun part of of some of this media. What, what you said in the banner moment has been said by all the, the freshmen. You get a good vibe, and, and all the programs are making sure that there's a good vibe in the summer, but it's a lot better than having uh, some negativity. And, you know, that went out today in the tweet, too, other than, you know, the, the, the one incident in, in the spring and an injury to Galloway, it has been a relatively free summer, and uh, fall is getting close, so. Uh, whatever we can do to, to get to uh, basketball season uh, needs to happen because I think we're poised for a good year. Also on the show, taking a break from daydreaming about the Padres trading for Juan Soto. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the well, Let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. Ryan, rant, rumination, what you got this week? Uh, first of all, just a uh, 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 asking for positive thoughts for both uh, Chuck and Diane Phillips as they have contracted COVID nineteen and are stuck oh, at home right man. now. Less less about their health because they're doing well, and just more about just being bored, stuck at home for a long time. So, uh, just good thoughts to to my parents, who some of you have, listeners have probably met, uh, and I know you guys all have. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to bring the up people was people responsible for you. I know. How gotta love them, right? Those poor, poor souls who had to deal with me for longer than you guys have. Um, and the other thing I wanted to bring up was Dick Vitale's speech at the ESPYs uh, from last night, and encourage everybody who has not already seen it to go watch it. Um, very important and and kind of crazy that years and years after Jim Valvano's speech, which Dick Vitale introduced him to give that speech. Um, Dick Vitale then gave a speech about his struggle against cancer as well. It was inspiring. It was kind of a, a modern day version of the Jimmy V speech. And uh, the only difference was, is that uh, Jimmy V wasn't around much longer after he gave that speech. And I, I sense Dick Vitale will be around much longer with us, thankfully. Um, plenty of reasonable criticisms to make about Dick's, you know, broadcasting over the years and everything, but he is a very good man. And uh, I thought his speech was, was inspiring and will inspire a lot of people and help a lot of people. So please go, go watch that. Uh, take the 20 minutes out of your night or day tomorrow and, and watch it and, uh, you know, take to heart what he said. Well said. All right. And we have a special guest with us today. The man behind one of the most beloved IU Twitter accounts and the curator of one of the most impressive personal collections of IU memorabilia you will find anywhere. You can question his choice of t-shirts, and believe me, I am right now. Rethinking the invite, in fact, to bring him on the show wearing that shirt. Uh, but it is Chris Williams, a.k.a. IU Artifacts. Chris, awesome to have you here. Glad you are home safely from uh, your trip. What has uh, been your overall take on this IU offseason? Well, my son was fortunate enough to go to Woodson's camp, and one of the things I noticed pretty clearly was how well everybody was gelling, especially the new guys. Um, I can attest that Malik Renault is an extremely nice young man. Um, he was one of my son's favorite guys there. I, I just think that, you know, listening to Race's comments when he met with the media and talking about continuity and talking about trust, you know, we heard about trust with Jordan's comments, but I think 
I think the second year for a lot of these guys buying into Woodson's, you know, process and approach to it. I think that, you know, you bring in the guys that you have coming in, the Jalen Hood Shafinos, Malik Renos, CJ Guns, et cetera, and you put them in with a group of guys that have been playing together for a while, but also are, you know, still, you know, in a continuity state with with Woodson's situation. I think it's and we think we all hope that it's going to be one of those seasons we can look back on and, and feel very uh, positive about um, if everything kind of falls into place. All righty. Well said. I like the new mic, too. You got that crisp audio. Sounds good. Um, all right. Here's what we have in store this week. Segment one, we'll kick around a few Hoosier headlines. Not a ton happened, but we'll talk about what did. And then segment two, we have a special treat. It is Hoosier trivia. And this is why Chris is here. I could think of probably two people that I would want to do an episode like this, Chris and Bill Murphy. And so we'll let Chris take the first crack at it. He's got 15 questions for us to answer as we compete for IU trivia supremacy. And then in segment three, we've got a few questions that were submitted by our community members. And so we will answer those. All of that is coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. But first, let's talk about our presenting sponsor. Right. This edition of Assembly Call Radio, just like all shows on the Back Home Network, is presented by our friends at Homefield Apparel, where they have the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you will find anywhere. They have beloved logos, like two different versions of the bison, hated, terrible logos, like the oval that Chris is wearing right now, but that some people love to wear anyway, so you can get that there. Uh, and they release new schools all the time. Uh, they've done fake Big Ten schools like Nebraska recently. They're back to real Big Ten schools like Northwestern uh, coming up this week. But there really is something there for everybody as they continue to expand uh, the schools that they have. And, you know, you know Homefield Apparel. They've got this great stick where they go back and pull out old brand marks, old logos from the past, celebrate them, celebrate the histories of the schools, put them on these incredibly comfortable and durable materials. Uh, and drain bank accounts of people like Coach, who's pretty much ordered one of everything at this point, I think. Uh, so Homefield, they're great. They've supported our show for five or six years now. They came up in the Kelly School of Business. Awesome guys. Go to homefieldapparel.com, use our promo code HOME, and you will get 15% off your first order. That is promo code HOME for 15% off. Once again, the website, homefieldapparel.com. As always, wear one for the team. Okay, guys, let's hit a few Hoosier headlines, only a couple of them. Uh, the first thing that I'd like to do is highlight Hoosier Ticket Project, uh, which we are all supportive of. Uh, Josh Bruick, who founded it, uh, really just doing great stuff with Hoosier Ticket Project. Uh, if you haven't heard about it, you know, it started uh, as just, you know, something Josh did with his Twitter account, Martha the Mop Lady, where he tried to help get people who hadn't been to IU sporting events to go. You know, people have excess tickets, they can't go. And he basically matched those people up with people who uh, matched those people up with people who needed tickets. And a movement began. And so they've made it official. It's HoosierTicketProject.org. It's a 501c3, whatever that thing is, where you can get make tax-deductible donations. And today, July 21st, is their giving blitz. And so they're trying to raise, what was it? Was it $10,000, Coach? Yep. Yes. So I know as of about 45 minutes ago, they had like 10% of that left. So if you're here watching live and you want to help them get past their goal, you can go to HoosierTicketProject.com. I think the official uh, URL for the giving project is HoosierTicketProject.org slash giving dash blitz. Coach, will you confirm that URL? 
but you yeah. can find it from HoosierTicketProject.org. And even if you're listening to this episode later, it's such a great cause. I know I went and donated, Coach donated. I know Chris has supported it. Uh, it's just, you know, what they're doing uh, is wonderful. You know, giving families who maybe don't have the means to take their, you know, family to a game, whether it's a, you know, an IU football game, a basketball game, a women's basketball game, uh, they make it happen. And they're creating indelible memories uh, and really helping us do something that's really important as a fan base, which is connecting to young fans, helping young fans have an emotional moment with IU sports that will help carry them through. Uh, and that's meaningful, you know, because that's what's carried us through the wilderness for the last 25 years. <laughs> While the program hasn't done a whole lot uh, is that a lot of us had those moments early on. And so I think it's great to be able to pay that forward, give that to other folks. So who's your ticket project.org uh, well worth your time and money to support those guys. They're just doing awesome work. Did you confirm that URL, Coach? We can yeah, I just put it in the, the chat if you want to throw that up yep. on the screen. Oh, yeah. Let's put it up there. There it is. HoosierTicketProject.org slash giving dash blitz. Let's get those guys past the finish line uh, for their giving blitz. Um, the only other real headline is recruiting. Uh, you know, it's a summer recruiting period. I think the Peach Jam is going on right now. Uh, the staff is out on the road, four deep. Mike Woodson... Yasir Rosemond, Kenya Hunter, uh, you know, the whole staff out there, Brian Walsh, you know, going four deep to certain recruits. Um, and a lot of official visits have been set up, you know, by prospects that you've been hearing about, Arrington Page, Jamie Kaiser, a lot of those guys. So there's not a whole lot concrete to report, no commitments, nothing like that. Um, but I think if you're paying close attention to recruiting, you can see the staff really making inroads and getting themselves involved in some heavyweight battles with recruits that a lot of big schools want. Um, and you're going to lose more of those than you win, but the ones that you win can be really impactful for your program. And so obviously Gabe Cups, Ja'Kai Newton, already confirmed for the class of 2023. And it looks like the staff has really zeroed in on getting a big, like Arrington Page or, does, or a Xavier Booker, um, and getting a shooter. You know, TJ Power, I think, is the pie-in-the-sky name, but he's got everybody in the country coming after him. Jamie Kaiser is another one. But it really looks like those are the two positions they're zeroing in on. And if you look at the, you know, kind of the recruiting profiles of the guys who are visiting, they're all guys that you'd want in the cream and crimson. And we know Mike Woodson is pretty good when you get a kid on campus. So anyway, feel you know, whatever takes you guys have, there's nothing real concrete to say. I just know generally I'm encouraged watching what's happening with recruiting right now. Yeah, Jared, you're right. Yeah, you're right about the big man and a shooter. I think that's been their focus for a long time because Newton and Cups were in pretty early, and I think they've really had a long time to sort of zero in on that. And I remember during the season, I said a couple times, like, they need to get Xavier Booker. They need to get Xavier Booker, like, because of the way the roster was setting up. Now they got uh, Malik Renault, which I think takes some of the sting out of it if you miss on Xavier Booker. But still, you need another big. I think that it's just – with race and trace gone, it's just going to be a, 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 an area where they need to find somebody who can be play, fill that role. Now, a lot's going to depend. I mean, if Logan Duncan comes out this year and, you know, has developed into a guy who could become a, a, a starter frontline big man for you, takes a little bit of the sting out of that as well. But if you can get Xavier Booker, if you can get her into page, like you've really solidified a balanced roster going forward because they've got the backcourt. 
And so what they need to do is get a front court and they still do need a shooting wing, like a pure shooting wing, which is something that's not on the roster and it doesn't exist right now on the roster. They've got guys who can shoot a little bit and and everybody's really encouraged um, by some of the new guys being able to shoot it a little better than maybe they thought like a Caleb Banks. I mean, he shot well in high school. doesn't always translate to college, uh, but you know, word is he's been doing really well, uh, but they don't have a pure shooter that you run off screens, find that guy. They have scorers who happen to be able to shoot. And so it makes sense that they want to find one of those guys and find an anchor in the post. Mm-hmm. Any other recruiting thoughts, gentlemen? I, I think it, it's just interesting to see um, if, if we close on some of these that are getting the real national looks like the TJ power kid is blowing up and Duke is involved and all of that. You know, how does Woodson close? I, I thought, and Booker's another example uh, from Ryan, those are being, uh, you know, Kansas and Duke and, and those things. And then, um, you know, just reading some of the articles recently, the, the, the Kaiser kid seems to be a very interesting type of player. Uh, he'll be taking a visit, uh, I, I think he said, Indiana and UCLA and making a decision before school starts. So uh, that could be the, the, the wing there. Um, but, but it's just interesting to see how the coaching staff is, is going about it. Um, you know, we've seen this before with getting some in finishing second and third with some of the, the top guys. Uh, I, I have to think that Woodson's going to uh, come in and close one of these deals uh, if it's not this year or next year, uh, b- because I, I just think his his niche is that communication and that connection to the NBA. And I just think that's uh, that's going to show up if it hasn't already in recruiting. I'm so ready for Duke to fall apart under John Shire. Sick of them. They need to go away now that Coach Gay's gone. Fall apart, go away. I want it to be a slow death where they have to keep extending his contract because he's not bad enough to like get fired, but he's just barely good enough where they have to keep keeping there. Like not That's like a why. Matt Doherty level disaster. Just no, 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 no. Because it's two years and out. Yeah, like two, three years and out. No, 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 no. I want him. I want him on the line for a long time. <laughs> oh man, that is funny. Um. All right, cool. Well, yeah, good stuff with uh, with recruiting. Hopefully, you know, we just need a couple of them to round out the class. But I think so far, you got to be encouraged by what the staff has done and the results Mike Woodson has shown. And now, Chris, I think it's time. You got you got some questions ready? We ready to go to segment two here? Sure. I'm ready Let's when you guys it. are. All right. So coming up on Assembly Call Radio, we are going to play Hoosier Trivia. Chris has come up with 15 questions to challenge us. To challenge us, Ryan, Coach, and I will battle for Hoosier Trivia Supremacy. Coming up next, you don't want to miss it. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. 
That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is Verdell Jones. What's better than an epic buzzer beater? The full court dribble and a perfectly placed pass to set it all up. And of course, celebrating the Hoosier Nation afterwards. So join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Verdell. Thank you for listening. You're listening to Assembly Call Radio. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips, the coach Brian Tonsoni, and our special guest, Chris Williams. You know him, or you should know him, from the great IU Artifacts Twitter account, which is a must-follow for any IU sports fan. And Chris is here not just for his great Indiana basketball insight and knowledge, but to play a game, because we are going to play Hoosier Trivia. And Chris is, as I mentioned at the top of the show, the curator of one of the great uh, individual collections of IU memorabilia and just one of the best people to talk IU sports with because he is a historian uh, and just knows so much about so many of the different stories. And so when I started thinking about what we were going to do for this week's episode with (laughs) scant news and so little going on, I immediately thought, let's do some trivia. And Chris was easily the first uh, text that I put in. He was all too happy to do it. Uh, And so we are going to play a trivia game. Ryan, Coach, and I are going to compete to answer these questions. There's 15 questions that Chris has. He is going to rotate around who gets the question first. If one of us answers it correctly on that first try, we get two points. If we don't answer it correctly, one of the other two, and we will go in order of who has the fewest number of points, gets the chance to steal for one point. And we could do something with buzzers or something, but we just want to do it as least complicated as possible. Uh, So that is what we are going to do. The chat mob will play along. uh, And you, of course, listening at home, play along as well. Chris, before we get to the questions, do you want to just set the context for how you came up with these questions and kind of what maybe time period we're going to cover? Yeah, so we're going to start in the most recent time period. So we're basically talking IU basketball from the Crean era through the Miller era and very briefly into last season with uh, Coach Woodson. So we're talking 2008, 2009 season to present. So, All right. So, Coach, Ryan, we all need to have the chat turned off. So no looking at the chat. I have now turned it off. Uh, And I say we let Coach go first. Ryan, you go second, and I will go third uh, in terms of who gets the question. and here we go. Oh man, I forgot to bring Jeopardy music for uh, while we're thinking. Well, hey, That's okay. We'll be doing this again. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We will. We're we're a little rusty here. This all came together very quickly. Uh, so all just right. So imagine Jeopardy music in your mind while Coach is thinking of the answer. It's very appropriate that Verdell Jones introduced this segment because this question has a lot to do with him directly and indirectly. All right. So, Coach, here we go. Number one, who set the screen on Verdell Jones's defender to set up his assist to Christian Watford for his game-winning watch shot against UK? Cody Zeller. That is correct. That's a good one. All right. Okay. If that's the level of question. Oh, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Come on, come on. Just, to be fair. No, it's going to be like, no, it's going to be fair. Jared told me easy yeah. questions in the text. I can <laughs> show it to verify. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. going to be like, who scored the first points for Kentucky against Indiana in the second half of that game? 
Yeah, yeah. no, because I, I texted Chris, and then I started thinking, man, he's going to ask some tough questions and make us look I mean, like fools. That's, no, that's, that's, that's not are, bad. That's not that's, bad. That's not no, bad. that's a good that, – that's not bad. Yeah, that is it not wasn't going to be like, who hit the shot to beat Kentucky? I mean, I'm not that pathetic. So, all right, here we go. I'm, Number I'm two. drinking out of my special Christian Watford watch shot glass there you, tonight. There you go. All right, In Ryan, here we go. Okay. okay, Ryan. I think you'll like this one, so. All right, who was IU playing when Victor Oladipo was unable to convert the, quote, dunk of all dunks in 2013? Michigan. That is correct. Michigan. Okay. Yeah, see, we need, I need some music here for correct questions. <laughs> I was watching that at a bar in Milwaukee, and I literally ended up on the floor because I jumped up as I saw it coming, and I was like, oh, so sad. I have a picture, I have a copy of the picture from the baseline that Chris Indeed. Howell, the HT, took. Uh, it's pretty epic. So. Bonus question How many floors of bars has Ryan been on in his lifetime? <laughs> it's infinite. <laughs> like, that you, I can't count that high, and neither can you. No. Uh, <laughs> two men. All right, Jared. Oh boy. Name two recruits that were part of the movement that did not finish their career at IU. Two recruits that were part of the movement that did not finish their career at Indiana. Uh yep. Ron Patterson yep. and Jeremy Hollowell. Yep. And you could also go in with see, Yogi Ferrell. Hunter Pereira. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yogi was the only well, one. Yogi that finished, finished, obviously. I was trying yep, to think yep, of the rest yep, of the yep, class. Yep. Yeah, Peter Jerkin is the one that I might have forgotten. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So that's two points for all of us so far. We're, we're doing we're off to a good start here. So Chris is easing us into this. Yeah, right we'll on. see. We'll see how this goes. I may have uh, <laughs> over yeah, okay. All right, coach. Uh number question number four. Which Hoosier sank a three pointer at the buzzer to clinch a road win at Penn State in 2017? Ooh, 2017. <laughs> Jared's chomping at the, or Ryan's chomping at the bit here. Oh, I know this one. Oh, yeah, who's going to get to steal this one? Coach I, doesn't get it. Let's just go with the next person. I would say. Yeah, that's oh, the next person. Okay. Yeah, that makes. Should we? So should we? Should repeat the question. All right. Which Hoosier <laughs> sank a three pointer at the buzzer <laughs> to clinch a road win at Penn State in 2017? Coach, we Chapman haven't had that many guys. I'm going to say, I'm, I, if this is wrong, this is wrong. James Blackman. That's correct. That is correct. Oh, wow. Yep. That is correct. That is correct. Ooh, wow. that, that was, was the game. game that, was that the game OG got injured? Yes. Yes. Yeah. He was in there for Jawan, who got injured, and then OG came and got injured. And that was the game that temporarily righted the ship. And then it just kind of. Not for much longer. Was Johnson yeah. on that team? Yes. Yeah. That's I, I was between those two. I couldn't remember. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So coach has four points. Ryan and I both have two. All right. Here we go, Ryan. All right. All right. Two Hoosiers from the Tom Crean era are in the top 10 all-time in career scoring. Name them. It's Yogi Ferrell and Christian Wofford. That Ooh. is correct. Okay. Hang no hesitation. Mm-mm. All right, Jared. Oh, boy. This is question six. Trace Jackson Davis scored 43 points against Marshall in a non-conference game this last season. In doing so, he set a new record for the most points in a game in Simon Scott Assembly Hall, who previously – Whose previous record did he break? Oh, that's good. Okay, so he scored 43 points. What was the previous record? So, so who so you're asking me? For whose the name record the did person. he break? Whose Correct. record did he break? Oh man. Okay. Woodson had 40 some, but wasn't that at Illinois? I was at Illinois, 48. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, come on, man. Um, 
man. I need to. I need to be quiet, not say anything else. I think I know it. Oh, jeez. Give me a moment. Okay, repeat the question, please. This is <laughs> you got All ten right. seconds, man. The origin of the question. All right, TJD yeah. scored forty-three points against Marshall, non-conference game this last season. In doing so, he set a new record for the most points in a game. In Simon Scott Assembly Hall, whose previous record did he break? Ten seconds. <laughs> Steve Alford. That is correct. Now Ooh. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it. I'm gonna throw Ooh. something in, and I'm gonna add two su- separate questions. Was it 42? For Did he score 42 points? Yes. Alford. Okay. Now I'm gonna give Coach a, a chance to answer the question. I'm gonna give him a point if he gets this right. All right. This is a secondary question. So Steve Alford scored 42 points in 1987. Who were they playing when he scored 42 points, Coach? You get a point if you get it right. You, I'm giving you an extra chance to be a little bit. Wow. I you were in school at that time. That's why I'm asking you yeah. this question. That means that I have no memory of it whatsoever other than that night. <laughs> you were at Nick's at the, at the game, yeah, watching the game, exactly. right? Um, Illinois? Close. Michigan I've, State. I was, I was going to say, I have a guess. Oh, uh, uh, no. I'm sorry. I know sorry. Michigan State. Jeff I, Marlowe I in the had, chat got that right. They so. showed highlights of that in the yep. On that yep. game, okay. <laughs> All right, four to four to four. And who I held that? Was how many did Kitchell have? 41, 40? 41. 41. Yep. yep. All time records fifty six. So yeah, rail but, yeah. right, and that's yeah, just at Assembly twice. Hall. Yeah, because but rail did yeah, it at correct. the field house, the old field house. Yep. yep. Yeah. And then I think the way record, the visiting team, Sean Respert, I think had forty for Michigan. Right. I watched that game as a kid. I was oh, there. Man. I was at that game. Yeah. All right. All right. We're back with coach. All right, coach. Number question number seven. Which player during the Tom Crean era was affectionately known as the Tipton Tornado? Oh, Derek geez. Elston. <laughs> Coached against him twice. <laughs> Got beat I, twice. <laughs> the thing I know for next time is I'm gonna make harder questions. So <laughs> that that, that one fell in my lap. The there, there are some coming down the road that it's are gonna a, be you, a little harder. Chris, so. you know you're in trouble as a coach when Derek walks by your coaching office in high school and my boys run out and ask for the opposing team's autograph. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a long night on the on All the right. court when that happens. <laughs> All right, Ryan. This is question eight. I think this should be just fine. Who did Indiana defeat and what would be the final game of the 2020 Big Ten tournament as the COVID outbreak would cancel the remaining college basketball season? Nebraska and their Nebraska. five football players. That's or right. <laughs> All right. Okay, for a bonus, who would they have played the Ooh. next day? Oh. In what uh, might have been a playing game for the NCAA tournament for the Hoosiers. So this is wow. for – I'll give Ryan or, or Coach a chance. Or Ryan, I'll give you a chance that you can answer this one. Um, Let me think. I don't even know. They was played two it, interesting games against them earlier in the season, too. Was it? Was it going to be Penn State? Yes, Penn State. I'm going to give yeah, Ryan State, a point for that. Yeah, because Penn State was was a higher seed that year in the yeah. tournament, right? Yeah, that was their good year with Patrick. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right, Jared. Which big man recruited by Crean in 2010 was denied NCAA eligibility due to previously enrolling in a European university starting his five-year clock for Division I participation? Mm-hmm. Good one. Wait a second. Wait a second. Read that one again. I was looking at the chart here. Wait, which big ten? Which big man recruited by Crean in 2010 was denied NCAA eligibility due to previously enrolling in a European university? 
which started his five-year clock for Division I participation. Coach gets to steal this one, Ryan. In 2010? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Was it Bawa Maniru? That is incorrect. Coach, you want to steal? Damn it. I have no clue. Give it to Ryan. Oh, Ryan. Guy Mark Michelle. Guy oh. Mark Michelle. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Let's go. Damn. Oh, All right. Was, Ryan has seven points. Name, Coach though. has six. I have four. I actually, Coach, Ryan has eight, I eight because I gave him another. We gave him a point because he got the Penn State question right. Yeah, no, yeah it was your idea, Jared. <laughs> oh, that's right. But he just stole that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. All right. So Where are we? Are we at Jared? No, coach. wait a minute. We're at coach. coach. Yeah, we're at coach. Coach, who led the Hoosiers in points per game during Tom Crean's very first season at IU? Ooh, Ooh. that's a fun one. It wasn't Finkelmeyer. <laughs> okay, okay, so it was Kyle Tabor. Ruling okay. out who it's not. <laughs> Kyle Tabor's not not there. First year. Oh my god! I think I know this. Dumas, that is correct. Yeah, that's a good one. Everybody thinks it's Pritchard, but he ran out of gas in the Big Ten. Yeah, it was one of the two for me. I don't know who I would have guessed, but those were the two. All right, so Coach is eight. Ryan has eight. Ryan's eight. eight. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're back to Ryan. Okay. Okay. Following a stellar four-year career at IU, Yogi Yogi Ferrell became the all-time leading uh, leader in career assists for all games, career games was 633. 633. Excuse me. Who did he surpass? Uh, Michael Lewis. That is correct. Dang. Jasper, Indiana native. Man, Ryan is Ryan, on a roll here. 10 points. Didn't he set that against Illinois? He did. Yes. No look, I think so, no look pass to, uh, to uh, what's his name? Big man to transfer from Michigan. Why Bielfeld. Max Bielfeld. Thank you. Yeah. Max Bielfeld. Thank you. Take Sorry, Jared. Me, Max Bielfeld. There you go. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You can resurrect yourself here. Okay. Name the five players honored as Indiana Mr. Basketball for Indiana on their roster since 2009. Okay. The five players honored as Mr. Basketball on the Indiana roster. Since 2009, correct. Since 2009. Okay. Anthony Leal. Yep. Trace Jackson Davis. Yep. Uh, Romeo Langford. Correct. Jordan Halls. Yep. Oh my God. James Blackman Jr. Uh, no. Oh, okay, I'm going to give you a point because you got four of the five. Who am I forgetting? I'm forgetting someone. Oh, Hold you're on. Hold on. Cody Zeller. Cody you're going to kick yourself for that. <laughs> oh my gosh! Like he was the first point. one. I thought steal? You got a, a half point, a point coach. Steal? You got a point for that. So I gave Jared right. a point for getting four out of five. But oh, I man. get one for one. Like, I mean, I thought that was the first one you were going to name. I did too. I thought he was going to go. Yeah. All right. Where That's, are we at oh, here? Man. This is this is an embarrassing performance. That's all right. Okay. Right. Yeah, so so far, so far, Ryan is Tom Crane, coach is Mike Woodson, and I'm Archie Miller. <laughs> I take offense to that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, this let's see here. Hmm. God. Where are we here? How many questions are we left? Do we have left? One, two, three, four. We've had I four have, rounds. Yeah. Okay. Let's see here. I have a. we may have to do like a 
when will the pain bet it all or yeah bet it all or nothing kind of thing okay here we go Chris is um, desperately trying to keep me in the game here. So I'm trying my best here. We are at coach mid game rule changes to I, keep host. Active. No, I don't deserve it. I don't. Deserve All right, it. coach. Here we go. In 2014, a matchup against big 10 foe, Iowa was postponed due to an issue inside assembly hall. What was the issue that caused the game to be postponed? A side, a piece of the siding of the roof. Um, the tin or the tin metal fell down on one of the sections. And they postponed it. Eight-foot steel plate fell from the ceiling and crashed into some seats. You are Fran McCaffrey's anger set off the fire. That's right. That's right. All right. Coach with another. Okay, so hold on. Let's do a reset. So wait, Coach has 11 now. Yep. I have 12. Ryan has 12. But one more chance. I'm done. Yeah. So you need to. Five. (laughs) Only because you gave me. (laughs) Partial credit for forgetting Cody <laughs> Zeller. Jeez. All right, Ryan, here we go. Okay. Uh, in a 2018 non-conference game against Jacksonville, Juwan Morgan became only the second Indiana player in history to do what? Triple-double. All right. That is correct. <laughs> All right. As a follow-up to that, Jared. Oh, boy. Who was the first player in Indiana history to have a triple-double? The first player in Indiana history to have a triple double? Correct. I wrote a story about it for Assembly Call. Mm-hmm. I posted about it. He does this time. I know Wait. he does. Yeah. No, I do. I edit every single one of those. I'm just kidding. kidding. It was, I'm feeling very defensive because I've had a very I will give you a hint. I'm going to give did, you a hint because did, I want you to. This happened in the. In the Korean era, in the Korean no, Miller era, it's no, different. No, I, I'm just. Oh, this is a bonus question. This is a yes. bonus question. Bonus okay. question. So I'll give I know that. I know the answer. It was the year it was 1971 against Michigan. Steve Downing. Steve Downing. There okay. we go. Sorry, that's who I thought it was, but I thought yep. you you had no, me that's confused the, fair because enough, I'm fair missing enough, every question enough, and because enough, I thought enough. it was in this era. All right. We have, we're going to have two questions left. And what we're going to do is um, uh, how can we do this so where we, we could get everybody a chance to stay in it because we're at 12. So what we should have done is had pieces of paper that we could have written on and held oh, up. Oh, that's a good call. Yeah. Well, we can. Oh, yeah. Next time, you have like your phones. Can you do that? No, nah, let's. Here, here's the okay. thing. Jared's kind of far out of it, so let's just do the last two questions to Coach and I, and yeah, see just, if somebody wins. That's fine. Right. I'll be, I'll right. be a spectator for this one. Okay. Uh, okay. Dang, that's rough. Jeffrey. So we are. Are we back? Okay, Coach <laughs> Rob Fantasy, better known as Big Shot Rob, hit two game-winning three-pointers during his IU career. Which two teams did IU defeat with Rob's converted shots? Butler. Um, and Purdue. That is correct. And he had a lot of other big shots too that just yeah, weren't game did. winners. He did. So yeah. we're at 13 and tw- are we 13 to 12 right now? Yep. No. I I should have 14. I had 12. Yeah, Ryan has day. 14. That's right. Okay. 14. All right. So Ryan with a victory lap question here. Well, yeah. And and if coach oh if coach steals, we got a tie, and then I'm gonna have to pull oh, something here. Right. Okay, yeah. here we go. Last question. This is a follow-up to a fantasy question. So when Rob hit the game winner this past season against Purdue, who was the inbounder who passed the ball to Rob when he hit the shot? Oh, sh- <laughs> Oh, damn it. It was. Oh, shoot. It was. Damn, who was it? 
Is it Trey Galloway? It, wow. Wow. It was Trey Galloway. I mean, that makes sense. I'm doing so. so. All right. Wow. Give the man. For some reason, that just came to me. I don't know why. I was originally thinking it was race, and then Trey Galloway just came to me. Well wow. done. All right. Yeah, so it, it's clear. That was a good performance, Ryan. That was. Thank you. So do I need to make them easier than Jared for next time? Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't miss one. I mean, so I'm, I missed, I'm happy with it. I but... forgot that Cody Zeller was Mr. I, basketball. So no, yeah, you don't need to How did you easier. get so far ahead, Ryan? I didn't miss one either. I stole a couple. I he stole, stole a couple. Michelle yeah. and I stole. Uh, uh, that's right. You stole the one I had an opportunity to. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. I stole one more. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. You gave me so, a bonus for one of mine too. So. Yeah, I did. Yes. So All right. we we are playing this again. I had well, that I game was I, that game was ref like Bo Borowski was running this show. I think we should do okay. What we should do next time is all get like whiteboards. Yeah. And just write and then one two three and hold up our answer. I think we should just do the 1992 1993 season every yes. time and then yes. we'll, we'll dominate. Yes, right in my wheelhouse. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, all right, that was fun, Chris. Yes. Thanks for doing that. Hopefully, everybody that, enjoyed Chris. that. I feel uh, good about it. I don't know about you guys. I feel good about it. It's <laughs> this was this segment was an awful mistake, and we will never do it again. <laughs> those, are, those are my thoughts on it. Uh, <laughs> all right, <clears throat> coming up uh, here on the assembly call, I try and pick up the pieces of my broken ego after that awful performance in Hoosier trivia, and we answer questions from community members. That's next. Stick with us. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thomas Bryant. What's the only thing better than being Kentucky in the NCAA tournament? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Thomas. Good luck saving the sinking ship over in Los Angeles. 
finally giving LeBron at least one piece that they need, a big man who can shoot. Never should have gotten rid of him in the first place. Less than 500 left for the Hoosier Ticket Project. All right, if you're in the chat mob, if you're listening to this or watching this tonight, let's help those guys out. 500 more dollars to get their goal of 10,000 for Hoosier Ticket Project. Uh, and again, if you're listening later, obviously you can donate later as well, but let's help those guys reach their goals. I am Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips, the coach Brian Tonsoni, Chris Williams, aka IU Artifacts, who just led us on a riveting game of Hoosier Trivia. Like the good host that I am, uh, I stepped aside and let the other two gentlemen compete for the title, declined to answer <laughs> questions. Uh, maybe I'll play next game. We'll see. Um, but it is time now for our mailbag. Uh, we got a bunch of questions that were submitted, many from our community. Uh, one good one just submitted by someone here in the chat mob uh, that we will tackle for the dumb question of the week. Uh, but let's start here how we always start. It's not that good, but it's not that bad. It's Jay's Mediocre Question. It is Jay's Mediocre Question, and Jay's Mediocre Question is, what is the hypothetical IU lineup for this coming season that you'd be most excited to see? Who would like to take a stab at this one first? Hypothetical lineup. So not necessarily like who you think should start, but just, you know, a collection of five guys that you'd be really excited to see on the court and see what they could do together. I can tackle this one, Jared. Um, I'd like to see Jalen Huchifino, Caleb Banks, Malik Renault, uh, Tamar Bates, and Jordan Geronimo. I want a small, fast lineup. I just want to see it. I think it'd be fun to see them in an early season game kind of get to run with each other. Because... Young, I always like seeing the younger guys all play together. Um, and I, I, yeah, I think that would be a really fun group to have together because of ability to score inside and out. And you put Renault at the five, Geronimo at the four. I know he's not young technically anymore, but he's sort of that athletic, fits that mold. So I would say those five would be really fun to watch run with each other for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, to one. go to go along with that, I'm, I'm interested to see uh, – Hood Shafino run the show, uh, what he can do. Is it the same uh, as when X is in? You know, if X has foul trouble or just X is getting a, a rest and Hood Shafino takes over that point guard role, uh, does the offense flow like it has with, with X? If it does, then Indiana is going to be a real tough uh, handle. Um, and, and so that, that interests me. Obviously, I've been pushing – uh, the Caleb Banks, uh, you know, you get a six, seven guy who can shoot the three, who can, you know, uh, put it on the, on the floor and get to the rim and do a variety of things. Uh, interesting to see him. And, and then Tamar Bates, if, if he's good, I think Indiana's going to be really, really good. So, you know, um, there's a lot to choose from, uh, this year that, that can make you excited. But I think the real, the real thing is that there was a different, f- uh, phase in, in point guards, last year there there was the very cautious defensive minded rob finnessy there was the aggressive uh x uh, when he was at his best indiana was really really good can hood shafino be more like x early in his career where he is really getting the ball to the right people scoring when he needs to score and, and defending at a high level uh that that's one and then put you know four guys um you know a- around him I think if if Geronimo is going to be sliding over to the three, which is probably the best thing that makes sense. I mean, it's it's a possible. I think that is intriguing with 
Bates and with Hood Shafino. I, I don't know. I, you know, I think you could potentially see Renault taking some time from Geronimo this season. It's from what I've been hearing in practice is that Renault's kind of uh, dominating Geronimo he's, quite a bit. Yeah, he's his legs are like tree trunks. He is a strong yeah. young man. So um, that's going to be interesting. And I, I don't probably I don't think we're going to see much of we could see some much of Renault and trace together, but I don't know if that really makes a ton of sense, but there's a lot of options. There's a lot of pieces. I think you're going to see some guys, unfortunately, kind of fall in the background. I don't know if that's going to be like an Anthony Leal. Um, you know, Galloway's role is still kind of interesting. I don't know what's going to happen there because unless he comes out and shows that he can shoot the ball, you know, we know what he can be on the floor. We know he can be a defensive minded player. He's a leader on the floor, but if you're going to be out there and you can't shoot the ball, it's, it's, you're not really helping any anything out there at, the, at that moment. Just a quick thing uh, to echo what Chris is saying. When you talk to people about the team right now, all people want to talk about is Caleb Banks and Malik Renault. They don't want to talk about even like Trace or Race. It's all Caleb Banks and Malik Renault. And, I, you know, maybe it's just because they've surprised people with how good they're playing. But, like, that's what they want to talk about. They don't want to talk about X. They don't want to talk about J. That's uh, somewhat Caleb. natural this time of year. Of course, because you have a new guy. But it is yeah, a sign that those new, guys are legit. It's the new, it's the shiny new thing that everybody wants to talk about. But I would yeah. say that that is who everybody is whispering about. Yeah. Is those two guys. We know, we know what race is going to do, and we know exactly. that everything is waiting for the same. Everybody's waiting for the very same thing with Trace, and that's whether he can step out and shoot the ball. Everything yeah. else we know about him, we don't. It's not going to be a surprise that exactly. You know, so yeah, it's it's about the new guys on campus that you know are going to surprise you, or are going to do the exact same thing you expect them to do because of what you've heard about them. Yeah. So that's uh, just, I keep hearing it. I keep hearing it. I don't know if we'll ever see this lineup together, um, but it would be fun to just see a small shooting lineup, like really small, like Caleb Banks at the five, Miller Cop, uh, maybe even CJ Gunn, and then X and Hood Shafino, or maybe even Tamar uh, if his shot comes around. Just all five guys who can shoot the three. We haven't seen a lineup like that in forever, and I would just love to see Decades. it in the, yeah, just see it in the right matchup. Now, we're going to – so Jay and I, this question, we had a fun text exchange about this because the full question that he asked was, what's the hypothetical IU lineup for the coming season that you'd be most excited to see? Jared, you can't say five Anthony Leals. <laughs> and that led us to a long text exchange of who would win a tournament of five-man cloned teams. So like on the IU roster, like if you had five Jalen Hood Shafinos or five Trace Jackson Davises, five Ray Thompsons, what clone team would win? We both thought that the answer was obvious uh, for who who would win, and then had a debate for who would come in second. I'm curious if you guys agree. Did who you would say win? five five race Thompsons would win because they can do kind of everything? We both had race second. Okay, I could see that. Uh, Xavier, I'm gonna say Xavier. Yeah, Xavier would be my answer. Mm-mm. That's not who we had. Five tomorrow. Nope. You're gonna say are you gonna say Trace? Nope. Okay. I don't know who you're gonna say. Huchafino. Man, I, I don't think so yet. All around. I think race would be the one that would win it for me. I, I think just because defense, offense, he can kind of do everything and he just muscle people. He'd muscle, he'd he'd out muscle JHS to get his points every time, I think. But Huchafino. Mm-hmm. Banks is the one who is the most intriguing because it's quite possible well, that's it could the, be him if his hand yeah, there's such a, a wide yeah yeah so 
But at what we know now is, yeah, I would say. Yeah, but it was race would be my pick. It was a fun question. Yeah, yeah, we had we had Jalen Hutchinson and Race Thompson. Um, Okay, next up, it's the question of the week. Yes, so we did not have a dumb question of the week submitted, but we can always count on Joel to come up with something dumb when we need it. And Joel has done that. Joel, we appreciate that. So Joel has saved the segment in the chat mob with his dumb question, does making TikToks make a difference in player performance? He and I were both involved in, you know, just a, a life-sucking Twitter conversation that I never should have gotten involved with, and yet sometimes people are so flagrantly wrong on Twitter that you just can't let it stand. And this guy's going off on Miller Cop for making his TikToks and how he hasn't earn the right and he's like posting screenshots of you know the Santa Clara box score it's like dude you realize the North Carolina players were like famously making TikToks all throughout their run to the title so it really it has no impact whatsoever on your ability to actually perform so let's just stop with all of this nonsense and anybody who wants to make you think that this has an impact or that it suggests that their head's not into it I don't know. Other teams were making them and winning just fine. So I guess their head wasn't. It. It's just, it's a stupid, stupid storyline and it needs to go away. So it's actually not the worst question, but it's just dumb people that make us ask this question. What is I've actually, that's what I said at, at my, in my opening. I got a little more appreciation for Miller from watching his TikToks. You get to know a little bit more about the guy. Yes. Is it going to help him make shots? No, being in the gym is going to help him make shots, but my goodness, it's uh, it's what young people do. Uh, we don't have to understand it, but it's what they do, and it takes very little time. Yes, and they have time. You know, it's of all the pastimes they could have when they're not focusing on basketball, that's a pretty good one. <laughs> you know, there's lots of other things they could be doing. So anyway, uh, thank you for submitting that question, Joel. Uh, let's go to our community questions now. Uh, this is from JD. A lot of opinions have been expressed about Coach Woodson's more targeted, selective attendance at recruiting events. What are your opinions on this approach to recruiting? Ryan, you've been outspoken about Mike Woodson's recruiting, good and bad. Why don't you take a stab at this? I think if it's a high-priority recruit, the coach should be there just like the rest of the coaches. I think you need to show the flag. I, I've always thought that the fact that he wasn't at the – uh, state final game really kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, I think if there are elite recruits somewhere and all the other coaches are there, you need to be there. Now, Mike Woodson is still new to the recruiting game. I think he's done very well so far. I've been outspoken about that, but I do think that actions speak louder than words sometimes and showing up when you need to show up is, is important. And so he's missed a few big moments and We'll see if that works out. I mean, he, ha- he doesn't have a long enough track record to know whether or not that works out and whether or not he, you know, it works for him to do that. But on the surface, it doesn't look great when every other major coach is somewhere and yours isn't. It's not a critique of Mike Woodson's ability as a recruiter. It just doesn't look great. And so, yeah, I would think that I think you need to show up for the big ones. Uh, I agree. Um you know, I was at the state finals and I'm watching Izzo and all those guys prominently place themselves uh, in a place where Booker can see and Painter was there. And um, it, it wasn't like you can talk to him or make a sales pitch or that's going to be the final thing. And I think ultimately it comes down to where you feel the best. And if you can get that done on a 
phone call or a zoom or whatever, then, then so be it. But, uh, it's a game of being seen. And, and when you're in attendance that, uh, right or wrong in this day and age shows y- your interest. Um, with that being said, I do think coaches, his strength is talking and communicating and being honest. And, and, you know, he, you don't know if he called and said, or whatever they were allowed to do saying, Hey, I'm not gonna be able to go to the state finals, but you know, we'll have an assistant there. You don't know if that stuff's going on in the background as well, but, um, it does seem like he he's missed a few that a lot of people aren't missing. Um, and only time will, time will tell. I, I remember in high school because I went to the same high school as Jared Jeffries. And I remember specifically when Bob Knight would show up to games at North and that made a huge impact because, and, and again, it wasn't an all-star, it wasn't AAU, but it's just one of those perception things of when you know the coach is there to watch you, it's a big deal. And, you know, again, he he's a, he's a, you know, he's a player's coach. He has, he builds a rapport, builds the relationships. And there may be some things behind the scenes that, you know, he's doing that, you know, is what these players want to hear. But I, you know, I, I agree with what Ryan and coach said that it's, it's a perception thing. And if with a lot of these players now, it's about who's there to see me and who's not. And that could very well, you know, adjust the level of where you stand in, in a recruiting recruit in a recruits mind. And, and again, I think that people are telling Woodson that I hope I, you know, I, I know that, you know, it's, it's a new thing now with holes kind of running the show with recruiting. And I know that, he's going to be involved behind the scenes and he's been out on the road too, but yeah, it's, it's a perception thing. And, you know, uh, hopefully that doesn't cost us down the road. And hopefully the guy like Booker, who's right up the road in Indianapolis, that's, that's, that's your guy. You got to be there for that kind of recruit and uh, be there in person. I think you all say things that make a lot of sense and that are valid points. Uh, I would just caution anybody on making judgments right now because we need to see what the results are, and different coaches can succeed in different ways. And I also think it's important to recognize that we're in a different paradigm for recruiting now. NIL has changed things. Players' ability to work with agents has changed things. And some of the relationships, long-standing relationships that Mike Woodson has, which previously wouldn't have made as big of an impact in recruiting, are going to be more impactful now. And so there's a very real possibility that doing it differently can lead to different results. Now, a top recruit, showing up for the state title game, you know, whatever. Yeah, that does seem like an important thing to do. But I think we probably have to let the next few years shake out because there may be some different methods that we haven't really seen work that will be more effective in recruiting now. Um, and I certainly think that uh, so far, Mike Woodson, all the results have been fine. And so, you know, I, again, I think what you guys say is valid, but I think it's very fair to not jump to any conclusions and let's see what the actual results are. There's nothing like none of this rises to the level of concern, I think. I think it's more of a curiosity to me. No, but if you're asking if you're asking, I'm gonna give that answer. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I agree. I've said I think he's done a really good job. I just that kind of is like show up to the state title game. Like it's just a it's part of your it's almost like going on those barnstorming tours where you gotta give speeches or whatever. It's just if you're the coach, head coach at Indiana, you gotta show up to the state title game. That's my opinion. Yeah, and, and- our coach was there, damn it. <laughs> damn right <laughs> i i couldn't get low enough to that's right to make Maybe a difference Xavier Booker and, will come to the assembly call because our coach was there yeah no I, and and there's a part of it too that if if we're down to the last 
you know, two teams. And he says, well, this coach came to the peach jam and this coach didn't come to the peach jam. Yeah. You want that guy. Cause he's good, but do you really want that guy? I mean, if you've given him your sales pitch and you got him on for a visit and those things, I think matter a heck of a lot more than that sit by the court in an AAU game in, in Atlanta, Georgia. So if he's going to decide to do things differently, missing some of that stuff is a lot better than, than not being there on an official visit or, or not making a phone call or not staying in contact. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that, that we don't know that go on, but um, I, I would think that until things drastically change around the whole paradigm of college basketball, you need to show up where your competitors are showing up, um, especially with the big guys. So, uh, next up, this is from Jeff. He says, could you explain how scholarship offers work? Maybe most fans know this, but I confess I'm still confused. All programs offer way more player scholarships than they have open. It can't just be the first offers that accept because you could find yourself with a more desirable recruit being shut out because there is no scholarships left. Are there specific rules or is it just worked out with some kind of, quote, gentleman's agreement? And we hear often, is this a committable offer or a non-committable offer? Uh, either one of you guys want to take a stab at defining those terms and kind of how this works in practice? Well, a scholarship offer these days essentially means we're interested in you, essentially. And there are offers where it's like, we're still evaluating you, but we are an option for you. Let's see how you do. There are also a lot of offers are, please commit to us. You know, I mean, it's, you know, but all of them are contingent. But at any at any time, you can cut off the scholarship, but it's not like if the guy accepts it, it's ironclad. Now, if the guy accepts an offer that you give him and you say, no, you can't commit, it's a possibility you ruin the relationship with his coach, with his AAU team, with all of that. So you always have to have an open communication with them. And a lot, a lot of times they'll straight up tell a kid like, hey, we're waiting to find out on this guy. We really like you. We don't have room. But if this guy goes elsewhere or if we decide we don't want him, you are our next choice. And so it's, it's, there is a lot of open communication about that at the good schools. I mean, the schools that do it right. Um, and, but and, yeah. and let's say it's not, I don't think it's nefarious to have these non-committable no. offers because it works both ways. And the players and can use that it. offer as leverage elsewhere. Yes. They can tweet it out. So it often gets painted as like, ooh, you know, this bad school no. doing all this. It works both ways. Well, here's ways. the thing. If Indiana comes in and offers a kid who's got, low mid-major offers, other schools are going to pay attention to that. What they see in him? And they're going to start looking at his film to be like, do we need this guy? Like, we haven't been looking at this guy. So you're right. It does work both ways. I remember one time, and this was a football kid, but USC offered this kid who was like a low three-star. And this was years ago. It was under Pete Carroll. Big 10 within power two, USC. With, yeah, Big 10 power USC. Uh, within, within two weeks, he had offers from every other Pac-12 school because they said, we got to take another look at it. You know, if Pete Carroll sees something, we got to take another look at him. And so you're right about that aspect. Um, it does get bad. I think it's worse in football because I think basketball guys commit early enough where it's not a crunch at the end. But like there are days on signing day in college where kids are about to commit somewhere like to Alabama or whatever. And Alabama has to call them and say, hey, we don't have room for you. Like other guys that we didn't necessarily think we were going to get have committed. We do not have room for you. You have to change. And there are kids nowadays that postpone their commitment ceremonies because at the last minute, the place they thought they were going cuts them off. And so I think Nick Saban it, is it, making those calls personally. No, I do not believe that. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> but I think, but there is that you know tension there for basketball. I think it's guys have a much longer lead to commit, and it's usually months before signing day. Um, so I, I do think it's more open communication. The process is probably laid out when the offer is made too, yeah. on on how they're going to decide what offers they're going to eventually take or or what the when when a decision might have to be made by the player versus the decision. It just has to be some sort of communication when that goes out. Yep. Okay. And one more question here. This is from Terrence. Chris, you can take the first stab at this. How confident are you that TJD will show his abilities from mid range and outside this season? And has he developed a pull-up jumper like Watford used so effectively? I don't think the pull-up jumper is going to be a thing. I would wish it would be. Uh, I, I I hope I hope that he does because I think we all realize this is it. So if Trace does um, anything that reminds us of Christian Wofford as a shooter, we are going to the Final Four. I'm yeah, just going to say yeah. that if, right now. and beyond. <laughs> if he's bringing the ball up the court and he's just like heaving it from thirty-five feet, I'm I'm going to lose it. So yeah, I don't know. I mean. It's been the same thing for however many years where we've had a one-dimensional game with a lack of shooting and it's a collapsing on the on the low post player and you have nobody to kick it out to. We saw signs of it last year where we had the ability for guys to shoot, you know, somewhat consistent at times, not but not really. I don't know. I mean, if he can hit a 15-foot shot, it's a game changer, but he's got to be able to have the confidence to do it. Uh, you know, we've seen the video of him you know, working out and during the summer and doing it comfortably, but that's not a big 10 defender. It's, you know, I, I think it's, it's, that's the key. I think that in, in addition to everything that's been talked about and the not, and analyzing this lineup and all the things that can work out, that's the key because it all comes down to your best player being able to be more than just a guy who can post up, who's got great footwork, who's got great speed and goes right, goes left. He has to be able to shoot the ball it's the reason he's here in year four. The reason he's not in on an NBA roster, uh, you know, last year or the year before. It's the it's the million dollar question. We will see uh, on uh, on day one. We'll see what happens. But I would hope so. I would you know, it's I would hope so. Look, if he does and it's successful, we're going to be really good. The way that like here's what I'm confident in. I do think we'll see it more in November and December than we've seen in the past. Because that's kind of the time for trying stuff out. You know, you've still got the off-season momentum of all this talk. Like, I'm sure we'll see Jordan Geronimo at the three some. But then the big games are going to start, and Big Ten play is going to start. And we're going to remember, oh, yeah, we have the most devastating pick-and-roll combination in the country in Xavier Johnson and Trace Jackson Davis. And they're going to do a whole lot of that. And we're going to have some other shooters like Miller Kopp and Tamar Bates and guys step up. And we're going to fall into an offense where everybody's playing to their strengths and a big 10 title is a possibility and there's not as much time for experimenting. Like I just, I don't know that we're going to be able to get out of the experimental phase with trace as a shooter, considering we haven't seen it yet. And so I think we'll see it early. I hope he makes some, but I confidence, I don't have confidence. We're going to see it in the thick of big 10 play. That doesn't mean I don't think he can't be the big 10 player of the year. I think he can just doing the stuff that he's really good at. But there's a lot of other players like he's not going to it would be a nice dimension for him to be able to make those shots. No question about it. But we can win the Big Ten without him making those shots. And there's a lot of other really good players to take them now, I think. So I just think once you get in to Big Ten play, it's like a lot of the offseason talk. 
it kind of goes away and guys focus on the stuff that they're really good at. And I hope I'm wrong, again, because him adding that dimension is great. But what am I confident in? That's what I'm confident in playing out. Because that's He just has happens. to make one every once in a while. Like, just yeah. so they, to keep them honest. This team has a spacing issue. It has had a spacing issue for a long, long time. Um, and, and until he either hits shots or he moves on and you get fives and fours that can, you know, stretch the floor. Like we see a lot of, or if the other four players on the floor can hit threes. Correct. Um, but Indiana's got to solve its spacing problems. And one of those is to have your five, be able to shoot 15 to 18 feet, at least if not shoot the three, like Dickerson at, you know, up there at Michigan, those, those are, are, are huge threats. Can you win without that? Yeah. There are programs that have heavy low post presence, uh, a lot of them in the Big Ten. It's just not where college basketball is on a regular basis. I think the ability to post up is vital, but the ability to move your post men too, to post different people up and to have other people shoot when he's in the game and he's going to be in the game for 32, 34 minutes. He's really, you know, when, when you want to post race, they that's real tight of where he can play. So his ability to shoot that makes us better. Can we win without it? Yeah, I think the roster has been improved quite a bit, but I'm hoping he he hits at least one or two a game would make he, Indiana better. He won't play that much if Ryan has anything to say about it. I think he'd prefer not to early like in the 16 season. to 18 minutes to make sure he's Yeah, in, in, in the non-conference against the bad teams, yeah, 16, 18, 20, max. <laughs> Middle of the Big Ten season, you need him? Give him 34. But, that way, Mike yeah. Woodson can keep his point total down, so he won't. No more him on the thirty-nine minutes list. against Marshall. That's <laughs> I don't want that. Mm, yeah, but Trace set a record. I mean that. Yeah, yeah, but he had he had twenty-nine or whatever at halftime. I understand. I mean, Marshall you have to do that. <laughs> um, okay, last question to get us out of here, Ryan. If you have to go, go. But here's the last question. I posted this in the community, and it started some really good discussions. I'm just curious, you know, we're in the heat of the off season here, lots of time out mowing the lawn, thinking about, you know, the team. I'm curious if you guys have any hot takes, maybe they're lukewarm right now, but kind of hot takes brewing that you would like to workshop here late on the assembly call. Most people have probably, you know, stopped listening. They probably stopped after I forgot about Cody Zeller winning Mr. Basketball. Why would they, they ever disgusted. do that? Um, so for those who are left, do you have any hot takes that you'd like to workshop and maybe just put out there and see what the response is? I'm just curious. Some mm. little, little feelings that you have that, you know, maybe you think are not the most popular, but you're starting to feel pretty strong about them. Cause I have one. You want me to lead why off? Don't you, why don't you start us okay. off, Jared? Here's what I think. All right. Here's what I think. Based on stuff I'm hearing, conversations I've been having, uh, and just my belief in the talent of all three of these guys. I think come February and March, the trio of Xavier Johnson, Jalen Huchifino, and Tamar Bates is going to be the undisputed best backcourt in the Big Ten. Ooh. And I think it'll be a top 10 backcourt in the country. Wow. And I think that because of all the good stuff I'm hearing about Jalen Huchifino, uh, I think X, X can already be a part of that. You know, He needs to have it complemented by a guy like Huchifino, but if we see mostly the X we saw at the end of last year – he can already be a part of that. And I think with Tamar having another year, being refocused, you know, and we all believe in his talent, I think those three guys can be really dynamic. Now, that's the idealized version of those three guys, but I think there are a lot of reasons to think that that could come through. Now, part of that is the Big Ten doesn't have many good backcourts. Um, 
But the other part is I think all three of those guys are really talented and their skills mesh well together, especially if Tamar's shot comes around. So as much as the talk is about IU's front court, I think those three guys can be really, really good together. Well, that's, that's a good hot take, Jared. I don't have a hot take about this team yet. I don't have a, no, I don't have a feeling one way or the other strongly enough to, to, to put one down. Um, I will certainly start thinking of one, though. I think that would be a good exercise for us all to come this up This is with. to workshop them. You don't even have anything that yeah. you're considering? Not, not really. Like there. last year. What about last theory? Year this, last yeah, year in theory. the summer, I had the race Thompson will be the most important player on the team. I had that. And then I went big with that one. Um, and it worked out, I think, for most of the season. But most of the season. Most of the season, yeah, towards the end. Caleb Banks gets the uh, most minutes yeah. at the three. By the end of the year. Whoa. Wow. That's my hot take. You got 40 minutes, so I bet you he gets 20, 21 minutes at the end of the year. Over Tamar Bates? Yeah, because Tamar will play the two, and they'll rotate those Hood Shafino, those guys in. The Bates will play a lot of minutes, but but I don't think Bates will play the three or Hood Shafino will play the three. I think those three will play one and two combination. Wow. I'll say Coach loves Tamar- Caleb Banks, man. President is, of the Caleb Banks a, fan club over here. I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I think Tamar Bates' development is the single most important thing to this roster. Oh, I don't disagree with that. No, no, that's my hot take. I'm saying, like, I think that's my take, is that, like, Tamar Bates determines where this season goes. He lifts it's the all on him. He can make this a and, Final Four team. Yes, that is what I'm saying. Is it, If yes. Tamar Bates is a Tamar Bates from last year, which I he's a fine player, but he needs to be able to score. Like, if he's that guy... This, the ceiling is much lower. I think that because I, I think you know what you're going to get from pretty much everybody, at least within degrees. You know, Tamar Bates is. I mean, he could he could lead the team in scoring. You know, I don't think he will, but I'm saying like at the top end of what he can do. If you watch what he can do, he could lead the team in scoring along with TJD. He's a sophomore um, breakout candidate. We saw a couple breakout big time last year. And and so I think that that would be my I, but I don't even know if that's hot. I think that's a little lukewarm. I think but I think he's might be the most important player. His development is the most important thing for this team, I think, right now. No, that's a hot take because other people would say I've heard Geronimo cited in there. You know, there's a couple other guys, but I Geronimo you know, I adds I adds adds something nice. But tomorrow they're all tomorrow's... important to get they're all important to get better, but Bates is something we need, which is a yeah. scorer, which scorer. is a three point shooter, a pull up, you know, drive and pull up at the elbow. Uh, although that's not the greatest shot anymore, but there's still a, ch- a time for that. And you an can ability get it, to though. Get the rim. <laughs> no, he's, that shot's here's the open. Thing about Tamar. Here's yeah. the thing about Tamar. That he Three-tier has. scoring. Um, yeah, here's, here's the thing about Tamar that he has that even Xavier Johnson doesn't always have. He has that bulldog, give me the ball, I'm going to score mentality that he hasn't shown yet, but you could see it if you watch in high school. He has that. He has that that dude that you can give the ball to late shot clock and go get something done. He had it last year. He just missed shots. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and, and forced and, some. You know. you know, Trace Jackson Davis has that, but it's harder for a guy with his back to the basket to do it than it is for a, a, a wing. And if you have two guys who can do it and two options late, Xavier Johnson did that a little bit last year towards the end, but he has limitations. Tamar Bates, when he's if he gets to where he needs to be, does not have those limitations. So that's I would say Tamar Bates development is the single most important thing for this team. All right, Chris, this segment is I, heating up. You got to come I just with have a hot a theory. Take I don't I don't know theory. it's a theory, okay. but I, I think Jordan Holes is secretly the new shot doctor. He's the new Tim Buckley, and he's not here to be recruiting coordinator. He's here to improve the team 
three-point shooting behind the scenes, and he's working with the guys late at night at Cook Hall. And oh, Ryan, what would your reaction be if everybody comes out the first game shooting like Jordan Holes? <laughs> I, I would be horrified. <laughs> Absolutely horrified. You don't, want, you don't want the, waitress, the waiter plate? The waiter no, plate? Absolutely not. Do not teach your kids to shoot like that, please. Teach your, kid, teach your kids to make like that. To make teach like that, make. yes. So here's the thing about, and I've, I've, I mentioned this about Jordan's uh, shot. He worked on it so hard and so long that he was able to determine exactly what he needed to do with his funky mechanics to make it work. And he practiced it and practiced it and practiced it and got it to a point where he could repeat it all the time. Another person probably could not do that. It was his body, his arms, like whatever it was, everything worked together to make that what he could do. That's not going to work for everybody. And, and, and so that's why we always talk about it, coaches, that you ha- if you have good mechanics, it's easier to fix things. If you yeah. have bad mechanics, it's impossible to fix things. It's hard because to break it down, it's just hard to break it down and start it up again. And, yeah. and Chris, you would know this, like a golf swing. Every time you, if you break down a golf swing and try to fix it, your scores are going to be awful for a, for a while yeah. until you get those reps in. And, and it's just hard to re- reteach um by the time they get to college it's it's about grooving and rep like you said taking whatever you have as a shooter and just repping it out and trying to make the shots go in i'll say this about jordan and jordan is an example of and and again he made it work for him and did was amazing he's one of my favorite players ever at iu like i loved watching that kid play and i love watching him play in high school i got i got a was lucky enough to get to cover him when he's starting when he was a sophomore. Like I loved watching that guy develop and play, but he is an example of what happens when kids who are too young shoot long distance shots because they have to do something because they're not strong enough in their arms and their wrists to shoot from three or from longer distance. And so they find ways to do it. And you'll see kids, you'll, you'll meet kids. You'll, you'll play with kids at like the hyper or whatever, who use their whole body behind the shot. And it's like, that's not a basketball shot. That is a shot put. Like, because they started doing it when they were so young and it's so funky. So what I always tell people who have kids who are playing, do not let your kids shoot outside of 10 feet until they're in like eighth grade because you're not strong enough to shoot the ball from that deep in a in a smooth motion. You have to like, you know, like wing it from the side of your body. And that's you know that is when you develop those bad habits. The real, so. real young play with a smaller basketball. Yep, too. I think they should do smaller basket, and they would they would fix that if as you're coming up the basketball gets bigger as as yep. you. But they use the seventh eighth grade start they, getting to the regulation ball, you, and and that would change it. But the ball is too heavy for kids who are you know second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade because they use the college ball at that age, and you know it's it's too heavy. Five so. minutes questioning Jordan Hole's shot mechanics. A real high point here on this. I mean, real, I real, just real, said real he made it work for him, Jared. <laughs> Send this to the excellent. You said this is a hot take uh, segment. There you go. Um, okay, it's here's, not the here's cheerleading my last, segment. Okay, so here's my last fun question for you on the topic of shot mechanics. Okay, Ryan, you can go first with this. Okay, you have been tasked with improving someone on Indiana's shooting percentage by say 10 points for next season. And you're going to get paid a million dollars if you succeed. So you want to pick the guy with the best mechanics that you think you could help the most. Who are you going to, and don't pick not, not like CJ Gunn or like already a good shooter. No, no, I get what you're saying. Who are you, who are you going to take? Like, who do you Um, think is a shooter who struggled, but has the most fixable mechanics? Tamar Bates. And I'm just fixing his feet. He doesn't face the basket. 
We've talked mm. about this a number of times. His yeah. feet are sideways. A lot of guys do it these days because, again, they're probably shooting from when they're too young and they need to get their, you know, whatever, get more legs behind it. But if you, the, the, the simplest thing when you're shooting, face the basket, square your body to the basket and jump where the ball is going. It'd be like throwing a baseball this way with your body going that way. Like it, it, you wouldn't do that. And so we talked about it with Christian uh, Lander as well. You just square yourself to the basket and jump where you're going. It makes it so much easier. Like, try it. Go out, get a basketball, put your feet this way and jump to the side while you're shooting straight, and then turn it and jump towards the basket when you're shooting straight. It's it's night and day. It's simple. It's like throwing a pass. You want to square yourself to the person you're passing to. Like it's It's that simple. And so I would fix his footwork. That's it. I think he's got a great release. I think he gets good rotation on the ball. I just think his footwork is off, and I think he's jumping sideways. He, he's he's jumping sideways, and he's over, having to overcompensate with his release. Chris, who would you pick? Oh gosh, there's an easy answer here too. Another easy answer. Hmm. I'm gonna pass and let Coach take this one. <laughs> I'm gonna go with a hard one. I think Ooh, I, I'd, I'd want to try. I'd want to try to work with Galloway. I couldn't. Uh, I'd, um, I'd kill myself. I, I, I know, but what what it looks like to me is he plays the game at a high level of speed, and then when he shoots, he shoots really deliberate. Um, his, his form isn't great, but it's not awful either. Uh, and you know he's in the gym shooting all the time and doing all the, the pre-shot work and all of those things. To me, it's just a case of exploding on the way up, using that ability to explode and get his feet into it, get the ball above. He shoots a flat ball. Um, and, and to shoot with confidence. Uh, and I'm sure coach Woodson, who, who again is a great communicator is trying to work on that. You saw at times the ball go in a little bit more. Um, maybe I'm wishful thinking there, but that's someone that man, if you can, if you really could just work and work and work. And, and I know the young man is doing that. Well, not now because of his injury, probably at the, at the level that he needs to, um, but that would that would be a fun win if you could win that one and improve that to a, just a satisfactory mark with all the other intangibles that he he uh, brings to the team. That would be something you'd put on your coaching mantle. That hey, you know, we really made a huge huge impact with with his shooting ability. Uh, but for me, you know, there's a lot to. Sometimes the fun part is coaching when there's a lot to fix, but it's harder to do it. I'm not sure I would be successful. I'm not saying I would. I'm not promising I would be successful, but it would be fun to try because if you do get someone who competes like that to a better level, then that kid's happy. And you as a coach, man, there's, there's nothing better um, than that, but there's an easy, easy answer here. I think I'd want to work with Miller cop and work on staying straight because he's a great free throw shooter when he keeps his body straight. And I feel like when he's struggling, he fades a little bit left or right shot. Yeah. Did you see a recent picture with him in his shot form? His shot, it was exactly what Ryan was talking about. He ended up, he ended up like this. On, and on, I on said last year during a game, when he times that twist perfectly and releases it before he starts this, it goes in. But when he, you know, it has to be exactly perfectly timed or else it's off. But the easy answer here is Race Thompson. His form is actually not bad. You Correct. just have to work on him, not rushing it. And focusing and also sometimes he takes too much time just getting him to not think about it get it in rhythm and go because this that's the deliberate there's there's too many deliberate shooters yeah. and, and they if, if you're it, it's because they're thinking about it that's yeah what it is 
I mean, your good shooters have no conscience. Just Ray Thompson the is the fly. guy on this team, though, who's the most likely to increase his percentage. I mean, because the form is already there. It's just about confidence. That's a good point. Okay, well, we solve things. So, coaches, you know, give us a call. We'll be happy to come in and do some shooting clinics. Not that they'll do anything. <laughs> We'd be happy. I'm still available. Not that they're not doing it already. <laughs> Mike, I'm still available, man. Just give me the call. <laughs> Those guys Take get so many shots off. up, it's not even oh, fun. Man. I know. I know, but it's fun to just chit-chat about it here like we're sitting around a bar. It's what we do. All right, uh, let's close this up. That is going to do it for us on this week's edition of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Thank you, as always, to Bob Thompson for producing our music. Thank you to John Ringer of rigsdesign.com for designing our logos. And thank you, as always, for listening. We will be back next Thursday with another edition of Assembly Call Radio. Until then. Take it from me, Max Bielfeld. Keep your calves flexed, your elbows in, and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.